Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think I need to tell you, I think you already know this to be a fact, that life is complex. Life is complicated. The family calendar, regardless of whether you have small kids who just walked out of those doors, or if you are you're deep into retirement, life is complicated. Calendars are complicated documents with lots of meetings and appointments and practices to juggle. Or think about other aspects of life, uh, diets and workout routines, right? Now they're detailed into calorie counting and macronutrient distribution and compound movements and supersets, all kinds of stuff now. I know Leah and I, we just bought a dishwasher not that long ago, and really it should have been a one-day event, right? We need a dishwasher. There is a dishwasher. End of story. No, no. This ended up being a weeks-long research project for us because there's so many options, and we didn't know what we needed. And it should have been simple. It was not. Even ordering coffee today can become a little bit of a, of a complicated endeavor for us, right? It, it ranges from coffee, black, to the triple venti, half-sweet, non-fat caramel macchiato, which I'm told is good, I don't know. Um, but as humans, we have this inherent ability to take a simple thing and to complicate it, to make it complex, to convolute the, the issue. And we do the same thing with God's Word. Right? God tells us very simple, th simple things like love our enemies. And, but immediately we go to work to convolute that command with different exceptions and excuses and what-ifs. Or God tells us that no one can inherit the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again of water and word. It goes from this very simple exhortation, be baptized, and we turn it into this doctrinal complex war about lifestyle and daily choices. And we take something that's simple. And then we make it complex. We complicate it. And right now, we're in the middle of a sermon series where we're walking through the Apostles' Creed, which is a simple and short summary of Scripture. It depicts our beliefs about the nature of God and His love shown to us. And last week, we looked at the dichotomy of God being both Almighty and our loving Father. And today, we finish that focus on the first article by examining how our Almighty Father has been and continues to be active in our lives through creation and through His daily provision. So we'll look at God's straightforward work that He started back in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and continues on in His blessings today. We'll also see how we so frequently complicate these, this straightforward work of God. And then we'll also see how he works in spite of our sin to bring us back to him and Jesus Christ. But by the end of our time, I hope that we would all be bold to confess that I believe in God the Father Almighty, who is the maker of heaven and earth. Now, of all the articles of the creed, God the Father kind of gets the short shift here because he's limited to one line, right? But that one line describes who he is, he is the Father Almighty, and what he does. He's the maker of heaven and earth. It's pretty straightforward. It's simple. But the scriptures, they actually expound upon that. They go into more detail. Our first reading for today talked about some of that. All of Genesis 1 and 2 
we read that in the beginning, God spoke all creation into existence. And that the Lord makes beauty and order through the six days of creation. The Father creates light and separates it from darkness. Or he brings land out of the waters and, and sets the sun and the moon in, its, in their place. He fills the water with living creatures and, and birds are placed into the air. And animals of every description are made. And finally, he makes mankind. Male and female in his own image. And over it all, God speaks this blessing. And he calls it very good. And if you've ever read the, the Jesus Storybook Bible, I, I love the rendition of the creation account there. Because throughout the time, especially if you see the audio, there's this, like, this British guy who's talking. And he gets more and more excited as creation goes on. And so, uh, the, you know, the Lord is creating these different things. And every time he, he says, you're good. <laughs> and he gets louder and louder each time. And by the end, he, when he creates mankind, he looks at them and says, you look like me. And I love you. It's a great rendition. But he blesses all of creation. He says, it's very good. And then, when God finishes his work of creation after the events in Genesis 1 and 2, Scripture still talks about God the Father and expounds on his work as our maker. Because a good maker doesn't leave their creation to rot. They sustain it. And so our God, our good maker, doesn't just create our world, set it spinning, and then walk away. No, he, throughout Scripture, it's filled with instances and examples of God daily and richly providing for all people. I love Luther's explanation of the creed, and he goes into this long list uh, with like, a serious amount of detail. And it includes everything from, from reason and senses to family and to friends and to animals, and shoes even make the list. But these provisions and these gifts from God, they're, they're not reserved only for his holy people who are extra obedient and are deserving. No, God acts out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in us. So Jesus shows us this in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says that the Father sends both sun and rain on both the good and the evil. Or Paul reminds us later in Colossians that God is before all things, and in him all things hold together. God is blessing. God is showing love to all of creation. So the difference between Christians and others, in this regard at least, is that we acknowledge God's role as our creator and as our provider. So clearly, as we talk about this article, it's, there's different facets to this very simple phrase that God is the maker of heaven and earth. But still, it's very straightforward. If we had to, to boil it down, it was just, God created all things. God provides all things. And God creates this life. He creates this world to be pretty simple and straightforward too, at least in Genesis 1 and 2. So as the Lord commissions Adam and Eve, he tells them just a few things, right? He tells them to rule over and care for the world that he, that he made, to be fruitful and multiply, and with only one prohibition, don't eat from one tree. Simple. But as humanity tends to do, they took the simple command and they complicated it. And ever since that fruit was eaten, life has become increasingly complex, increasingly convoluted. Our human disposition has become one of rebellion and pride. 
And throughout the rest of Scripture, we see this. We see God reiterate his simple commands to his people, right? Simple commands like, you shall have no other gods. Or, do not murder. Simple commands. And then we also see God's people, even the most faithful of them, manage to complicate those commands and walk contrary to his will. So throughout history, and and all the more today, we have balked at this idea that God creates and provides for all things. In terms of creation, we don't want to see him as the authority, as the one who gets to set the rules. Because we want to be the creators. We want to be the world builders. And as evidenced from Adam and Eve, the human condition is that we desire to be in the place, in the seat of God. We want our will to be done, not his. We want our name to be glorified over his. And so humanity has convoluted God's straightforward design of creation. And we see this throughout our world. We see this in the scientific community, right? Where theories like evolution or the Big Bang are taught as fact. Now, hear me very clearly. Adhering to a six-day creation event or allowing for some of these theories... That's not a salvation issue, okay? It is, however, an important issue that affects our faith. Now, there's not time for a full diatribe of all the the reasons why, of the the issues and problems that we would have with this, but we can take a brief look at some of the theological issues that we have with some of these theories. So, first and primarily, they run contrary to what God clearly says in his word. As Lutherans, we're a very simple faith, right? God says this, we say, okay, that's Lutheranism, right? And this runs contrary to God's word. Scripture says that the Lord spoke creation into being, and it was. So to suggest otherwise, I would say is a refusal to take God at his word and to trust in his power. So what we're doing is we're, we're trying to insert these concepts like evolution or the Big Bang, and we're trying to have God make sense to us. We're trying to fit him into our categories instead of trusting and taking his word for it. Trusting in faith. And specifically for evolution, I would say the biggest issue, theologically at least, is that it requires death. That's how evolution works, right? At least macroevolution. It works like some, as things mutate or evolve, some things perish, some things survive. Survival of the fittest. That's evolution. But to have that happen in God's plan would actually introduce death prior to the fall into sin, which would be contrary to the word of God, where we learn that the wages of sin is death. So this theory of of evolution actually makes death a natural part of life instead of the result and consequence of sin. Or take the Big Bang theory, uh, the idea that some collision of particles sparked life and resulted in all the intricacies we see in our world. And I would, I would say again, that is not taking our Lord at his word. But it's being very dismissive of his power. See, I think it takes more faith to believe that this all ha- happened randomly than it is to believe that it was done with purpose by a master architect. I mean, it would be like a tornado going through the paint department at Home Depot, and the result is the Mona Lisa. See, the simple answer here to how the world came to be is that it was created and designed 
by an almighty and loving God whom we call the Father. But we complicate things. And as scripture reminds us, we tend to exchange the truth about God. We tend to exchange his word for a lie and then to worship and to serve these created things, these man-made things over the creator. We convolute God's straightforward design of creation. And we see that also in the, in the gender conversation that's happening in our society. Though God has clearly stated that he created people male and female, there's this growing desire to remove God from his authoritative position here as creator. To remove him so that we get to choose for ourselves what gender we are or how many genders exist. But if we make the claim, say we make the claim that we were born in the wrong body, what are we actually saying about God here? What are we saying about his power or about his divinity? At the very least, it's a bold thing to say that we're right and that God was wrong, that he made a mistake. See, God's word is clear on this. We quickly find ways to convolute the scriptures, to blur the lines of his commands. And this problem of taking God's work and obscuring it, it's not a problem that's just out there in our world. It's something that's right here in our own hearts. We all struggle to take God at his word. We all struggle to adhere to that word. We all want to be world builders, to be in charge of our own lives, right? To provide for ourselves. Our sinful hearts give us this hunger to be self-reliant and self-promoting so that we find ways to remove God from his work of creation and provision. We talked about this a little bit last week. Right, that, that God is our loving Father who provides us with daily blessings. And yet in our sin, we are so quick to take credit for the things that come from God. Right? We imagine that we earned what we have, that it's ours to do with what we want. And we're tempted to think that God had nothing to do with the success we've had or the people who surround us or the abilities that we've developed. But that too is a farce. Because the one who created us created in us those abilities and granted to us those people in our lives. Scripture, again, rings clear when it warns us. It says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. But though we hear his word, our sinful nature wants nothing more than to reject God's hand of blessing and to take credit for all that we have. And how arrogant is that? To claim that what we have, that who we are, is the result of our own doing. Think back to the miracles that Jesus performed. Like he used simple things like mud to open the eyes of the blind. And can you imagine how foolish it is, it would be for, for the mud to think that it has the power in and of itself to heal? Of course not. Mud has no power, but only what the Lord does through it. And we are that mud, created by God and used by him for his purposes and for his glory. All that we have, all that we are, comes from him. As we reflect on that, that all we are, all we have, comes from him. When was the last time that we 
stopped to praise God for his blessings, for his provisions. I think it happens rarely because we naturally seek to rebel against God's creative order and to reject his hand of blessing and to remove him from his work. And what's amazing is that our sin, our rebellion, our rejection, our removal, all the things that we naturally do in our sin, none of that negates or stops our God's ability and his work of creation and provision in our lives and for our souls. Our loving and almighty Father continues to create, and he continues to provide, only this time it's beyond the physical world around us. I mean, he finished his physical creation back in Genesis 1 and 2, and instead now he continues this work of creation by sending his Spirit. And this Spirit continues this work of creation by creating faith through his Word. Just as the Father breathed life into Adam's physical body back in Genesis, so he sends his spirit to breathe spiritual life into our deadened hearts. God, our creator, the creator of all things, now has made us into his new creation through faith. And it's this faith in the power and the love of God that allows us to take God at his word and to trust in his will and to rely on his work. Now, to be clear, this faith is not created by us, but it's created in us. It's created in us through the power of the Spirit. So God continues his work of creation. And he continues his work of provision. Certainly through the daily bread and the blessings that we we receive from him. But his main continuation of provision is by sending his son, Jesus. Because it's in the person of Jesus that we see the full extent of God's love and his provision for sinful people. Or as Romans will tell us, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In the midst of our rebellion, God provided for our greatest need. He sent Jesus to take the full punishment for our sin, who faithfully died for our faithlessness. So the cross, as dark and as sad of a scene as that was, that's the path to our life. That's the purest form of God's love. His hand of blessing overflows to us through his death and his resurrection. So what we find is this, is that it is through Christ that we receive all good things from a loving Father. Whether that be the body and soul and eyes and ears and all my members, or whether it be the richly and daily uh, providing me with all that I need to support this body and life. In Christ, he defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. And if you're wondering where I'm getting some of this language from, it's from Luther's explanation of the creed. All of these things come to us from the Father through Jesus. And yet the Father's provision in Jesus goes far beyond physical blessing and into the spiritual Ephesians 1 tells us that God, our God and Father, has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. The single greatest provision is revealed in the Son of God, who took our sin and gave his righteousness. And that is the simple, clear, and straightforward gospel 
freely given to us by the blood of Christ. And our response to this gospel is also pretty simple. Trust him. Just trust him. In faith, let us take him at his word. His word that says that he loves us and forgives us. That he saves us and provides for us. That he is God, the Father Almighty, who is the maker of heaven and earth. There's no need to complicate it here. Trust him. I love the way that the, that the hymn says it when it says, All we have needed, his hand has provided. Great is his faithfulness. Will you pray with me? Father, what a blessing it is to know that it is that you show your power through your created world, through your daily provision. Lord, help us to recognize your hand of blessing. Help us to give thanks for the love and the mercy that you freely bestow on us and on all people. As we reflect on your gifts this morning, we're going to take a moment to pause and to praise you for the many things you've given to us. So in the next few seconds, these next few moments, let us ponder those gifts that come from your hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. We continue our worship by singing our next song and by gathering our offerings. <laughs>